Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. Welcome to the new episodes of Radio Rehab. I'm Dana, and I'm a recovering addict and an alcoholic. I'm clean and sober right now, but I've struggled with the disease of addiction for most of my adult life. It began when I was a teenager. I've had bouts of sobriety, and even during the bad times, there's always been some part of me that wanted to live life the right way, the way I am now. This show isn't just for addicts, it's for everyone. Some of my guests will be familiar to you, but their stories will be new, heartbreaking, and awe-inspiring. If you aren't one of us, you surely know us. We are your wives. Your husbands. Your daughters. Your sons. And we've gone through hell to get to the other side. This show is dedicated to the ones who didn't make it. Love that song. Uh, welcome to another episode of Radio Rehab. I'm Dana. I'm Chris. And uh, we're obviously playing that song for, well, we've lost David Bowie since the break. And I think that's very, very sad to a lot of people. And the purpose of bringing this up, the purpose of the show today is going to be dealing with grief and loss in sobriety. Um, there's something to be said for, you know, when we when a famous person dies, it's kind of like we're all doing, we're all grieving. Yeah. We feel like we know them through their art and... Um this was a huge loss. I mean, it was. I mean, I cry. I know, and and that's the kind of thing that that's the thing that's a little bit annoying about it is you get these people. That's why I, I try to stay off the Facebook and all that that stuff when something like this happens because you're seeing all these people. Oh, I was so connected to him. I'm devastated. I'm crying. It's like really. How do you think his wife feels? You ass. Yeah. I hate when people do things like that. Or his kid. Yeah, yeah. his kid. Either one of his kids. I think one thing that's really sad is I really like his son, Duncan Jones. He's a really cool guy. First of all, to go through life with the name, you were born and your parents named you Zoe Bowie. Wow. To overcome that, because, you know, I used heroin because uh, I found a hair in my brush. Like, I really had no reason. I had a great childhood. I have a great family. I was very loved. I have really, you know, no excuse if you're going to look for excuses. But Zoe Bowie, and he was the product of a drug relationship. Yeah. You know, Angela Bowie, first of all, uh, I thought that was an interesting choice for David Bowie because obviously there was some part of him in his career where he wanted to have sex with someone who looked exactly like him but had a vag. It's kind of like having sex with yourself. Yeah, exactly. Which is what I've been doing a lot of recently. <laughs> Welcome to recovery. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to recovery. You're not supposed to get into a relationship your first year, so don't judge us. Yeah. <laughs> no, the uh, thin white duke, though, um, quite the innovator, you know, from the 60s uh, right up until the... You know, I, I think he timed the uh, release of the... Uh, Lazarus video? Yes, yeah, he definitely did yeah. that. I'll leave it to Bowie to make his death an art. And by the way, if you don't know what we're talking about, 
look up David Bowie, or you know what? We'll post a link to it on the page because this page will be all about. It'll be all about David Bowie today, and it'll be also about other other kinds of grief and loss. But it's in honor of David Bowie, just because uh, he was kind of a hero of mine, and he's a hero of a lot of people. He's never done anything that I haven't liked. He's just been relevant since the time he began up until now. There's some website actually where you, it's some kind of David Bowie, it's some kind of aggregator. You type in your age and it tells you what David Bowie was doing at that age. And it'll make anybody just feel like complete douche baggery. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, that's when he was recording with a symphony in in Berlin. You know, it's like right. he's, he's was doing something amazing at all these points in his career. Like I said, he made his death an art. He knew that he had this cancer, and he knew that he wasn't going to be able to fight it. And he basically gave us a send off video. My God. Yeah, and m- many of us, um, our age group, um, near forty, maybe forty, mm-hmm. maybe barely over forty. Um, my, my, you know, definitely can relate to the birth of MTV and the let's dance. And, um, but you know, us being music and radio people, you know, we, we, I'm not going to say we're, we're deeper than that, but (laughs) But we we, are, we go back to Ziggy Stardust and, um, you know, just, you, you realize Wow, he started the whole thing. I mean, you know, the the whole reason uh, rock bands that it's okay to wear makeup and be a man um, is David Bowie. And you know what? Well, and there's a, a lot of other, another interesting thing I think is David Bowie paved the way for a lot of gay people, a lot of trans people, right. a lot of bisexual people. Um, way back, way back. Even though at the end of his life. He is a heterosexual man and a father. There were other, there were times in his life where that was different. At the yes. end of his life, you know, the reason we're talking, the reason this is relevant on the show, because at the end of his life, he was a sober, uh, he was a sober father and an innovator and a visionary, and he was amazing. But back, you know, in in the seventies, the sixties, seventies, and maybe even early eighties, I'm not sure. He was definitely doing a lot of cocaine, and he'll admit to that. Yeah, you know, but it's yeah. like, unlike, like if I was, you know. The kind of addict I am, I can't in 30 years from now be like, well, I'm just going to have a glass of wine with my meal and be fine. I'm not like that. Right. I think David Bowie maybe was. Maybe it was just a sign of the times. Maybe it was just a fad the way he was using. Maybe it was all Brian Eno's fault. I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like it, it, We could just blame it on somebody else. But I think what's very interesting is um, there another famous person who died, and then she died in the 80s. She was the first female known to have died of AIDS. Her name was Gia Marie Karanji, and she was like a a supermodel. They actually, Cindy Crawford is, they made Cindy Crawford to look like Gia. Gia was a big deal, but Gia was gay. And Gia, I mean, if I was a model, which I wouldn't be, I would be this kind of a model. The model who leaves a fashion shoot and, and like, ends up and is trying to inject drugs into an abscess in a bathroom somewhere in just like a ghetto. And she ended up, because she nodded out, ended up getting raped a bunch of times because she was so out of it on drugs in some shooting gallery and she got AIDS. And she died of AIDS. And But I yeah. one thing, she was one of David Bowie's biggest followers. She was in some group of people, I forget what they called themselves, the, the, some, maybe they called themselves the Zoe Bowies. It was some weird name like that. But they would all go, this is all in Pennsylvania, and because Gia knew she was gay at a young age, and she really 
th- that's how she felt comfortable. Was it? It was at these concerts where there's all these kind of androgynous people who aren't really hanging on to any sexual identity. That was the whole thing with David Bowie. Is it's like there, it wasn't like I'm straight. I'm get, you know, it's just it was this kind of uh, androgynous thing that he had going on. But it really made a lot of gay people and a lot of bisexual people feel comfortable with talking about it and feel comfortable with being maybe a little bit flamboyant about it because that's fucking Bowie. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And he's awesome. Yeah, and he, you know, would constantly uh, make references to outer space. Yes. You know? And, um, you know, he he's up there somewhere in outer space. Or, he's, or, he, you know what? Yeah. He's somewhere with godly people. You know, he a lot of a lot of people don't know this. One thing he did, uh, he recorded with John Lennon a lot. You know, I, some people don't know this because, like you were saying, maybe we have a little bit of a deeper knowledge into some music than some people. But uh, John Lennon wrote "Fame" with David Bowie. Fame. They, in case you don't know what song we're talking about, I think we have a singer in the house because I can't do it. Um, at all, your ears what would break. What the fuck? What you doing? Yeah, that's oh. the lyric. It's exactly the <laughs> lyric. What the fuck? What are you doing? So what happened was David Bowie was lighting up a crack pipe, and John Lennon was like, "What the fuck? What are you doing? Are you doing that because you're famous?" And that's how the song got started. <laughs> I'm totally lying. Okay, but the truth is, the truth. I was lying about that, but the truth is, John Lennon did write that song with David Bowie, and David Bowie was a saxophone player, amongst other things. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. I forget which John Lennon song on it. it. It might be whatever gets you through the night. It's one of those John Lennon songs. David Bowie's actually playing saxophone on it. So I really feel like right now David Bowie is somewhere free from his cancer body that he had to be here with, hanging out with all those cool people. You know, all yes. like all those legendary people that he got to record with. Um, another thing, if, if you're a big uh, Bowie fan that you should check out is... Conan O'Brien has this segment. I'm a big Conan fan. Um, we should post my Conan. I'm talking to producer Char right now. We have to post my Conan interview sometime on this show so people can hear it. I got to talk to the master, and that was really awesome. We had a good time. But um, Conan O'Brien does this thing called Secrets. Have you seen it? Secrets. It's awesome. So you yeah. take somebody like William Shatner. Or, in a dark room. Yeah, in a dark room. Interrogation. It's like secrets. Uh, yeah, so if you're listening to this, look up the David Bowie Conan O'Brien's secrets. It is so funny. <laughs> he, he goes, he goes. Some people think, you know, that it's it's the greatest thing in the world to be a huge rock star who's married to a supermodel. And then he just laughs and goes, "It is." <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> He's so cool. He's so cool. And um, I found a picture. Somebody posted this picture on Instagram. It was of David Bowie holding an Abyssinian cat, which has so much meaning to me because of normal being Abyssinian. So cat I feel like- lady. Cat lady alert. Um, so uh, coming up later in the show, we have Epic Addict Fail, as usual. And we also have our other segment that we're doing called Drunk or Southern. If you don't know what that is, um, I'll explain that more later. But right now we're going to talk a little bit about grief and loss. Um, Chris and I have both lost our fathers uh, pretty much uh, almost back to back. Your dad died like what a few months after mine, it seems like. Uh, October 27th, 2006. And mine was February 8th of the same year, right? Yeah, okay. had to be the same year, but I thought my dad died in 2005. I don't know. Well, um, well, yeah. and whatever, it was around the same time. Um, not quite the same time, but you know months later when I was still going through my grieving process. And, and we were we were on non-com. We were on Monad with each other because we were both in each other's own ad- 
addiction. We were both in our yeah. We were both in our own addiction. I, I don't want to talk to her because she might be right, and <laughs> I don't want to talk to him because he might be you know clean. And... Well, you didn't know I was loaded at that point, though, did you? Because at that point, you had pretty much only known me sober, right? Uh, yeah. Cause, yeah. No, because all yeah. those drinking times were later. They That's, were after that. Yeah, yeah. So I was going through this phase. Um, uh, It was, I had a great codependent in my relationship. My ex, Jeremy, you know, he, he, and, and I really owe puss, him a puss. huge thank you because he, yes, puss, puss, because he really nursed me through my father's death. He, he saved my life because I could not walk in a straight line at that point. I was so devastated and he really helped me through that. Now, the bad thing is I was able to fully become an addict and get full on into my alcoholism. Not quite. I didn't get back into the drugs till way, way later. But I was started drinking um, alcoholically almost immediately after my father died because I couldn't handle the pain. Now, the reason for that being I had also separated myself from the program. Um, I had copped some resentments. I quit going to meetings. Um, I felt like, you know, I didn't hear from people when my dad died, but I sure heard from them when they found out I was in a movie or when I had a radio show. And that that gave me some resentments. Now, today... My sponsor is so great. When, she, when I tell her this, she goes, you know what I would have told you to do is to pick some new damn meetings. Get your ass into a different meeting and find yourself a different fellowship. But I didn't. I got loaded instead. And one thing I'm watching now is I see people with 13 years or even four years who either get some like, are you about to talk? No, no. Okay, because you're going... And I'm like, I keep thinking you're about to say something. No, no. I'm For those who don't know, Chris G makes this new face <laughs> where he does this thing with his mouth. Look, what is your Instagram handle? Chris G, the struggle is real. Chris G underscore the struggle is real. Okay, so why? See if you don't, if you can't see what I'm talking about. He has this new face that he makes with his mouth. It's a very specific. It's a thing new that he does. face. It is a new face. I can't, okay, we, no, we remember making faces on radio, and that's very drunk of us, okay, so, as I learned the hard way. Um, so anyway, back to the whole uh, grieving and sobriety thing. I've seen people who have, uh, you know, some just a little bit of sobriety, and some people have a lot, but when they're going through something like grief and loss, they show up at meetings, and they talk about it, and they throw themselves into a big ball on the floor, and they go, I'm hurting, and I watch people lift them up, and I watch these people get through it, and they get through death, and they get through disease, and they come out stronger, and that's what I want. Yeah. I want, I mean, what's really funny is with my mother, because she's such, she can be an Alanazi sometimes, she's like, she's like, you better not get loaded when I die, or I'm gonna come back as a bat and kill you. <laughs> and <laughs> you know she bat. would. You know she would. <laughs> you know if she died, and I was like, I'm getting loaded, she would somehow... If anybody could do this, it would be my mom. Come back from the afterlife and assault me. Because it really would be the biggest insult to her. You know, after all she's watched me go through, after all I've been through, after, after how supportive she's been of yeah. me, it would be such an insult if I went, you know what, I'm just going to get loaded. But I'm watching people now, and, and we can both learn from that. There's a way to deal with death that's, you know, not getting loaded. You feel the pain. Because nothing hurts worse than the way you feel after you've been getting, after the end of a run where you realize you can't even die correctly, right? Right, right. And with, with, with me, um, with my father's passing, um, you know, I had not been, 
I had not even attempted uh, treatment or, um, you know, any kind of support. This is before all of your treatments? Yeah. And this is before any attempted sobriety for you? Right, right. And um, I was at work. I got a call. We... We kind of knew they were making him comfortable, um, uh, so there there was a five day warning, I would say, um, and um, my my relationship to sum it up real quick with my father he he was um, uh, forty one years old when I was born. So, yeah, you're the baby of your parents were like grandparents to me. Like they, yeah. they're so much older than you. Yeah, my siblings are too. So I was kind of the accident, but they, you know, <laughs> they're they're Catholic, so they didn't practice birth control in 1974. <laughs> and all but, the older kids were were so disgusted. They're like, ew, they're still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> they're all yeah. And then this new one, no, um, but you know he he was in uh, the Korean War in the Air Force and. Um, he he was really like a man's man, and old um, school. Yeah, and um, I couldn't really. We had a tough relationship. Um, he he did support me um, in sports, um, but y- you know would try to you know teach me how to fix my own car and. You know, but you couldn't really relate to him. But I was like, like, "Dad, a- I want to dance. I want to <laughs> sing." You know, you and he's like, it. "What the hell is this crap? And <laughs> what's this? What are these videos?" You know, and I'm I'm watching. Uh, you know, uh, as years go by, I'm watching. Uh, you know, Marilyn Manson videos on MTV, and he's like, "What the hell is this crap?" <laughs> you know, and he's. Did he have an accent? He was from Jersey. Um, oh, because kind of, that sounds Scottish. Like I, I thought I heard. What the hell is this crap? Crap! This the shite's forced to be in. Yeah, I thought. And I heard like that. you know, he was not an 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 affectionate man by any means. Um, you know, uh, not even when I graduated high school did he give me a hug. Um, uh, you know, and I, I would always go as a child to my mom and, you know, uh, kind of say, why isn't he like the dad on the Brady Bunch or the dad on Leave it to Beaver or whatever? But, you know, we, it wasn't. Are you sure it wasn't more like who's the boss or, or like the shows that are Sam, like growing pain? Sam. Samantha. Samantha. Um, no, but, uh, you know, um, we. He was extremely proud of of what I did, even though it was in a different realm. And I got my sense of humor from him. I got my musicianship through him. He used to play accordion. He was quite the accordion player. Really? Um, oh, That's yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but his passing, I, I, I got a call at work, and they, they said... Um, he, you know, it's the final hours. It was the middle of the night, and um, it was about 5 a.m., and I, um, the the first thing I thought of is what liquor store opens at 6 that's on the way, mm-hmm. and um, I went and, you know, got a pint of vodka, and um, St. Rose Hospital, the same hospital I was born in, um in that parking lot, I I pounded that pint, and I went in, and 
you know, I held his hand and um, hopefully he, you know, heard me or understood. Um, but I, I, I said goodbye to him um, while just blitzed, you know, pretty blitzed out of my mind. So you, when you took the drink, when you were in the parking lot, when you drank it, did you actually feel an effect? Did you notice? Were you so not so in your disease at that point that you couldn't still get drunk? Like you could actually feel it? You could get drunk? Um, yeah. Okay. I, I, I mean, not like, it was developing, uh-huh. definitely, the tolerance, but I, I, I needed... I, I just reached, it was the... You needed something to kill the, the first, pain, because what the, the hell first, else are you going to do? Yeah. yeah, and then I was I, I was drunk at the funeral. Um, I, I, you know, uh, you know, it, and it, it, it um, it's a, it's a sad thing to see, um, when, you know, you're, you're in his final days, um, I I was still quite the party animal, and um, I I I had moved out. I was living with a girlfriend in Campbell, and I I'd moved back to my parents' house. We broke up, and um, it was party central upstairs. And um, you know, he used to make fun of it. He he'd be like, "Oh, I know what you guys are doing up there with your with your water and that uh, big thing from Egypt, and you're smoking it, and you're saying, "Oh, I'm so high." You know? <laughs> he said that. <laughs> yeah, oh he, my god, that's I'm all, hilarious. It's, it's called the bong. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, the it, thing from Egypt. And and so that's that's one of the um, things. Um, every time I I. You, you know, uh, go to his gravesite. I uh, I reflect on is um, how I um, you know went out when he went out. You know, and um, I would have you know if I could turn back. If I could turn back time, no, yes, um, I would. But um, that's the way it went down, and. You know, my, my mother's getting older, but I'm not, um, and I, I will be devastated, um, when, when she joins David Bowie out in outer space, um, um, but I can't make reservations, um, you can't put conditions on your sobriety, exactly, else, and that would also be a huge insult to her because she knows what you've been through. Like, yeah, the I best thing you hell. can do for them, the best thing we can do for our families, is to stay sober no matter what. Yeah, because I found out that my condition on my sobriety was nothing better happened to my parents. Fuck, you know. And then yeah. my dad goes, "It's like at this point, I have to have no conditions on my sobriety." My sponsor says that. You know, I know someone who has a terminal illness, and I, to hear her say that I don't have any conditions on my sobriety means that I damn well can't either. You know what I mean? Because I don't have, I'm knocking on console right now, I don't have anything that is so awful that I can go. Somebody somebody was talking about the other night, um, I was in a meeting and somebody said something about like, uh, what would it take to get me to drink? And uh, we were all waiting on what's his answer. What is it that's going to get him to drink? And he said, you know, um, nothing. He said, I don't know the answer. 
and I'm thank God, I thank my higher power or whatever till this day that I don't know, that I can't think of what that is that would get me to drink. Wow. And I thought that was really, really great uh, because basically it's like you, you can't have, you can't be like, well, if my mom dies, it, that can't be, you know, because that's a condition. Yeah. Yeah. And if you put that condition, you're going to put another one. You're going to be like, you know, and then in a year, or not a year, because you might not even stay sober that long. Later, you're going to be like, well, if my mom dies. And really what that is, I think, is some people just want to drink. Some people just are sick of being sober, and they don't work a program. So they're looking for an excuse. They're looking for an out. So it's like, well, forget the whole mom thing. You know, actually... um, if uh, the person I'm in a relationship with breaks up with me, I'll drink. And then you act like an asshole tyrant until they leave on purpose so that you can drink. It's like I used excuses. to do that. Yeah. Oh, I did too. I never I never broke up with anyone and no one ever broke up with me. I acted insane until they fled for their life. Yeah. That's literally what happened. Producer Shar is over there looking directly at me going, yep, seen it. <laughs> I made, She's been an innocent bystander to all of my casualties. I made a girlfriend that was uh, staying at my house that night, but lived in San Luis Obispo, so three hours away, about. Um, I picked a fight with her um, in the middle of the night just so I could drink so she would so that she would leave and go back to san luis obispo yeah oh okay oh and, so she was with you at this time i wasn't so yeah. she's with you here in a normal area and you picked a fight with her just so she would get the hell out so you could drink yeah hell yeah you did because you're an alcoholic yeah that makes perfect damn sense to me you know so oh my god i i used to Sorry. oh my god <laughs> i i my fiance would always tell this story every time he mentioned about cat food. I sent him to the store to get cat food. I had no money to buy cat food. Uh, blah, blah, blah. It was some sob story. There he, I sent him to a different store, but he came to the one I happened to be at. And at the same time, so oh, I because you snuck out there, right yeah, when he left. I snuck out right when he left, and there I am buying my gallon of booze oh, with the money that I actually shit. did have. And he's over there buying the cat food, and he was just so disgusted. And he always he brought it up for the entirety of our relationship. I mean, that I, happened so long ago. He would I would have bring that made up. you eat the cat food <laughs> when we got home in a cereal. With I would have been so drunk. I wouldn't. I would have been fine. <laughs> Whatever, man. Hey, you know, it's crunchy. It, no, it was the wet food. It was the wet. Okay. Yeah. So I used to every night. I needed. I needed. I was on marijuana maintenance at this one point. So I take some Ambien, drink some alcohol, then take a Xanax, so I'd have a nice blackout. <laughs> and then on my way to bed, and then I, I, I had this all timed. It was like Doctor Paul. I, She's it was such all a timed. chemist. I, I know. I really am. So I know how long it takes me to get to my bedroom from the bathroom. That's when I lived in San Francisco. <laughs> I have because every night before bed, Petey and Zippy get treats. Those are my cats, Petey and Zippy. They get treats. So I pour their treats into one hand. I grab a whole wad of Swedish fish and Sour Patch Kids because I get treats in bed also. So I'm walking down the hall with my treats in one hand, the cats in the other. I put the wrong hand up to my mouth, and I ate cat treats. And I was like, I'm saying, I swear to God, this happened. This is the mind of an alcoholic addict. Um, it's in my mouth, and I'm like, ah. Oh. Oh, I I can't. I know I've timed all my drugs. I can't make it to where the trash can is, and I don't have a trash can in my bedroom. I guess. Oh well, and I swallowed it. 
Well, that's karma that's, for getting yeah. treats in the bedroom. Karma for getting treats in the bedroom? <laughs> that makes no sense. Okay, no, that's <laughs> karma for being loaded and carrying cat food in your hand. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, Some dirty ass, ridiculous shit. Sorry. I think no. I lost it's focus. Kind of, yeah. Okay. I think some chick. Did some chick just walk by? Because yeah. you just did a double take, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening behind that? my head? Oh, there's a blonde in yeah, the building. There's a blonde in the building. Hopefully, they can't hear us right now. White cause... girl alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you hear the high heels, and you go, oh, it's a happy noise. Okay, I believe it's about uh, time for drunk or southern. And epic, a- epic addict fail. Like how I did that with my voice. Thank that was you. great. Okay. So I don't have anyway, a sound effect thing. No, because it's mine it and okay. I took it away and okay. it would sound really stupid 10 feet away from a microphone. Uh, I do believe it is time for Drunk or Southern and at the end of the show it will be epic addict fail. fail. Ale, ale, ale. You don't need to do that. Because, oh. Okay. <laughs> anyway, unbelievable. The professionalism that's happening in here is just unbelievable. So, uh, Drunk or Southern, the way this happened, in case you missed the Christmas episode, um, is producer Shar was sending me something for Epic Addict Fail, and it was this woman who went to a skate park, and she was a large woman. First of all, she was also way too old to be on a little, like a little kid's skateboard, and all these little 11-year-old skater kids are going in, the, what's it called, a half pipe? Yeah. Yeah, like in a hollowed-out swimming pool. She gets on it, and she just completely biffs, as producer Char likes to say. She just ate shit and fell off. And and so Charlene sent it to me as as like um, a possible epic addict fail, but I'm looking at it going, well, I can't figure out if she's drunk or just Southern. So now we have another segment on top of epic addict fail called Drunk or Southern. Here, here is the news story. So when deputies notice a driver, Lisa Myers, Falling asleep behind the wheel on a busy highway, they tried to stop her, records show. Officers said she tried to run over a cop and nearly hit a cruiser during a low-speed chase. (gasps) (laughs) Myers, perhaps unwittingly, then turned into a police station parking lot, driving on the lawn before hitting a cruiser, according to her arrest affidavit. Here's where, now everyone stop and think a second. Is this person drunk or are they Southern? Answer is, she's just Southern, people. There was no alcohol involved in this story at all. <laughs> I'm going to put Are this you up. Serious? I swear to God. No alcohol involved, just Florida. And sleepy. She was just a tired Floridian woman, y'all. Wow. She just was tired. And, and the reason she ran over or tried to run over one cop, I'm guessing it's because she just needed to catch him on some sleep. She's tired. Maybe she had her eyelids closed and didn't see his ass. I'm wow. guessing that's probably what happened, and then, and then she wasn't thinking, so she just uh, ran up over the lawn, crashed her car in some in some cop station parking lot, and then yeah, damn. Yes, so she was not drunk. Southern. Anyway, I love that. We will I have more. I would have gotten that wrong. I really, I know. I think most people would. I think that's what's funny. If you think about that, it sounds like a DUI, but no. It's one of my people. <laughs> I am so proud to be from the South, really. No, I really am, actually. It's one of my favorite things about myself, is being Southern. Because it gives me permission to park like a redneck and act like a redneck. And have tattoos. I don't have a bunch of tattoos. I have, like, two <laughs> tattoos. 
Maybe three. I don't know. I don't remember. The South will rise again. Yeah, it's just a Dixie flag that says, we will rise again above my crotch. That's my only tattoo. That's in how (laughs) I've seen that. Is that so wrong? Uh... Well, because we worked in radio together, everybody saw it. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know why. Okay. Anyway, now it is time for epic addict fail. Corey Gagner, the 22-year-old Elgebel resident who drunkenly set fire to an Aspen sports bar while making nachos, was sentenced to three years of community service. Monday for an unrelated crime, which is funny. So here's what happened. Um, This is an Aspen, by the way. He's not one of my people. The Aspen Daily News reports that Gagner's nacho quest began after drinking, get this, 40 ounces of Jägermeister. Yes! And, and 16 beers. And, and, unst, 16 beers. So at this point, yes, 40 ounces of Jäger and 16 beers. I swear, drunk and hungry, because that's what happens. We call it the drunk munchies. There goes your blonde. Oh, damn. Let's go back to the story. A blonde can't walk by the room, and we continue with the story here. (laughs) All right. Rebuffed, he broke into the fine line bar and grill, proceeded to drink more and make nachos. Gagner placed onions, cheese, bacon, pepperoni, and four bags of tortilla chips Mm. in the pizza oven, which then caught fire, triggered a fire suspension... Uh, or wait, no, triggered a fire suppression system. The owners of Fine Line reviewed security camera footage the following day. An employee recognized Gagner and apprehended him after he attempted to flee, but tripped on his baggy-ass clothing. Oh, he was sagging. He was sagging and he tripped on his shit. Those were some flaming hot nachos. (laughs) Those are some flaming baggy pants that you tripped around. You know what? I was just talking about how when you get drunk, you make stupid decisions. Like, I don't like Taco Bell. Now get some alcohol in me and ask me if I like Taco Bell. Love it. I'll eat it all day and all night. Jack Actually, that's box. not true. I would probably yeah. eat. I would probably eat Taco Bell sober. I'm lying. There are some things that I would I would not eat unless I was drunk. I just can't think of them now. Uh, cat food? Cat, oh, oh, wait, you you, you already food. did that. Cat I'm, food. I'm sorry. No, no, that's true. I have to be completely loaded to eat cat food. Anyway, uh, we're we're out of time, and thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Welcome back from the holidays. I hope everyone made it through sober and unscathed and unhurt by addicts if you have one in your life. Speaking of which, Chris G. and I will be talking to some people who are... Um, the next time we meet, we will have people who are... It, God damn it. Please edit that. The next time we meet, we will have guests who are affected by the addiction problems of others. Someone who is an adult child of an alcoholic. That's ACA in, in the lingo world. Uh, somebody dealing with uh, child custody. And an ex who is a straight-up alcoholic. Yes. And, and we are going to be talking to these people next time we meet. It'll be awesome. It is. It's going to be great. See you next time. Thank you for listening. Stay sober if you should be. And we all could be heroes.